Hi, everyone. I am here with my husband for our first official episode of A Father's Story of Injustice. We hope you've had a chance to listen to the trailer, and we had hoped to have had this first official episode done sooner, but there has been so much going on with work, school, our kids, and of course, the ex-wives. I'm going to let my husband speak here. Well, first off, I'd like to thank uh, my wife for all the work that she's put into um, the back end of sharing this story. Um, there's a lot of feelings and emotions involved with this. It's hard for me to articulate this story and my experiences in a way that can be heard by as many ears as possible. I think when people hear this story, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to relate to this story and see a lot of coincidental um, similarities here. And unfortunately, we're in a society today that has allowed mothers to play this card too often in our court system at the expense of not just the fathers, but most importantly, the children. Yeah, I agree with that. Um... And what you're referring to, essentially, is parental alienation, correct? Yeah, the parental alienation, it seems to be, I don't know, it's almost like a foul word. Um, People don't like to hear it. People don't like to deal with it. People don't like to face it. But in my mind... This is an epidemic that is happening in our world, not just here to the United States, but I'm, this is occurring everywhere. And I, I don't know why we've gotten to the point in our society, in our world, that we think that mental abuse on a child is anything different than physical abuse. I like that you bring up the term of abuse there because you and I have done extensive research on parental alienation because of what we've had to submit to the courts and your experience with therapy with the children and parental alienation. There have been so many studies done proving that it is a form of mental abuse and yet the the mothers still get away with it and the courts don't seem to take it seriously um and and i do want to talk about that but what i think we should do first here is just share a little bit of your backstory just kind of you know let the let the listeners in on essentially who we're talking about and and how we got here um you know so maybe it's just starting with your ex-wives so i have uh two ex-wives um living in two different states i have one son with each of them um my first ex-wife um i was married to during the divorce process i started dating my soon-to-be wife that turned into my second ex-wife that i also had a son with Um, my two sons are 13 and 11 and it I'm sorry, 14 and 11. Now, um, that's the, that's the magic number in the court system I have found. 
sure um, is. Um, I have um, been divorced from my first ex-wife. Um, let's see, we started our divorce proceedings in 2010 and finished them up in 2011. Um, my second ex-wife, we started divorce proceedings in 2014 and finished those up in 2016. And even after all that time, there is still ongoing litigation from the divorce for custody for, I mean, it seems like everything, um, taxes, <laughs> money owed, yeah, things in the MSAs that were not Followed. not complied with, and it this is with with both of them. They both not held up to the MSAs. Um, and I mean, let's let's think back to your first ex wives. You actually had full custody of your son for several years because of her mental instability. Sure. She um, was an alcoholic and still is. Yep. Um, and she multiple um, suicide attempts um, prior to our marriage, um, after our marriage, um, post-divorce. Um, it's a, uh, it's scary. It, it is scary. It's scary that, um, you know, one of the things that I've preached and have tried to live by is the idea that no, no parent should be absconded from their child. Um, I remember when I was married to my second um, wife, she, she had a, another son with a, a man that she had a relationship with prior to me. And, um, I could tell by being this son, by, by being this young man's, um, stepfather that the, the relationship with his father was important to him. And I was adamant from the, basically the get go of even dating her that the father would play a part in his son's life. And it was, a, it was kind of a really tumultuous thing because they had so much history and negative history involved. But to me, and the way I explained it to my ex-wife was, it's not about you and him. It's about the relationship that he needs to have with his son and his son needs to have with his father. And, you know, part of the, um, part of my background that I think I need to have everybody know is that by no means have I lived this, um, angel, angel life. life. Yeah. Um, for many years I lived a very heavy alcoholic, um, lifestyle. It did not help that I was married to two different alcoholics as well, that we fed off of each other. And, um, if we weren't at the bar, we were, we were drinking heavily in our house. And, um, well, that even when I, I met you, I mean, you and I would go out and drink and, uh, there were multiple occasions that, you know, you tried to stop on your own cold Turkey and you just, you know, weren't in the right headspace for that. But you and I have been together for seven years now. And, uh, you know, you're over four years 
completely sober. Completely sober, and it has drastically changed our family dynamic and our our group of friends, and it's been amazing. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Um, but with knowing that, I I need people to understand that I'm not trying to have this pity party of look at how difficult this is because much of this, much of these uh, trials that I'm going through are trials that have almost been self-inflicted at times. I have enabled my ex-wives to come at me with the ammo. And, and even if I had the same ammo on them, one of the things that I've learned in court is if you are the first to say it, you are the only one to say it. You cannot say it a second time and think that you saying, well, well, they do it too, holds any weight. Um, because in our court system, it, it doesn't. Um, so, and, and going back to the, the idea of when, I mean, even when we first started dating, I was pretty adamant that our daughter's biological father um, played a part in, in their lives. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't like that. <laughs> I did no, not like that. No, and a lot of it had to do with the, the negative history that you had with him. And, well, and let me just chime in. It It's because he chose not to be involved. You well, know, I when I was pregnant with our youngest daughter, um, he cheated on me and kicked us out. And uh, his parents were involved. They were a huge influence in the girls' lives. But you were, you were very adamant. You even talked to his parents about it. Um, he just, that didn't work out. I, I did. And and clearly he didn't have any intentions of ever changing because when I, when I did call him, when I did text him um, in regards to playing a part in his daughter's lives, he declined to even initiate any type of conversation with me. Now, because of that, I'm blessed that I have two wonderful daughters living with me and who call me dad that you've adopted that I've legally adopted. They, they have the same last name as my wife and I, they have the same last name as my sons. Um, they love me unconditionally. Um, I'm proud of who they're becoming as young women and, um, everything that I can share with them as a, as a father. And most importantly, I'm able to do that mostly because of my sobriety. Right. Um, But let's go back to, you mentioned, uh, your second ex-wife, how, her oldest son, you tried to mend that relationship with his father. Is Didn't you two even become friends during that process? We did. We did. And um, in fact, actually for, for a small amount of time, for a few months there, he actually uh, moved into my house oh, wow. and um, lived with us while we were trying to get him to relocate um, over to the area where we were living. So that way he could be closer to his son. And, I don't think I actually knew that. And play a wow. bigger role in, in that. Um, because both parents should be in their kids' lives. Sure. And and the, the opportunity um, for that child who not only has both parents in his lives, but also has other adults that are playing parental roles. And I think that's the, I, I think that's the biggest um, hurdle that has to be overcome is the fact that so many of these women and, and, and men are guilty of it too. Sure. They tend to think that um, parental roles can just be substituted in and out like a, a, a player in a game. 
And, you know, if you're not playing very well, then then we're just going to pull you out of the game and we're going to put you on the bench and we're going to put somebody new in. And then when that player plays well for a game, now all of a sudden they, they try and trade that other player. Uh, meaning that, like, when a step-parent comes into a child's life, that step-parent may be a, a really good person. They, they may be. Um, but that doesn't mean that they replace the parent. It means that they play a part on that team of parents. Yeah. Um, what we've seen through this process with you and your ex-wives and the step-parents is that the children were have been coached and forced to call their new spouse dad and it's gotten so bad that they now say you are not their dad and 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 not even when it's their new spouse maybe it's just their new boyfriend sure we've we've been through that that too and and that's the confusion i mean i remember um my youngest son one day explaining to me that that mommy has two boyfriends (laughs) um and they were both really really cool because and and that's the savviness of my son is that he literally realized that mommy had two boyfriends because those were the two men coming in and out of the house and he was young enough to not understand the the physical stuff of boyfriends but he knew that they were both coming around and they were both kind of playing a role in his life that he thought that they were both cool. And, you know, as we, you know, so often see, you know, a lot of times in the beginning of relationships, those uh, other parents, they become the, the cool parents. They come over with cool gifts to, to win over the children and to show the, the perspective, like girlfriend or boyfriend, um, how awesome that they are and how they're going to, they're going to be really cool to their kids too. You know, it's kind of like a selling point almost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm wondering if we could get in a little, get into a little bit about parental alienation a little bit more. I know we've kind of touched on it here. Um, but with what we've been through, you know, the court systems, essentially condone it. Um, and I'm kind of just curious if you could share some of what you've experienced with the parental alienation, um, and, and what your thoughts are. So in my own personal experience, um, parental alienation takes on so many different um, costumes. It, it, it comes in so many different waves. And the best explanation I've had given to me is maybe people don't want to dive into the weeds of parental alienation. And unless you're going through it, I, I highly suggest you stay out of it because it's a very scary, dark cave of, of abuse um, in line with, with so many other types of not just the physical abuse, but what you see in the mental ramifications of a young child's mind growing up. And I asked a therapist who was working with myself and my son in uh, some reunification therapy. And in our conversation, I said, do you see any type of parental alienation happening here? And she said, absolutely. The easiest way for me to see it is when the child verbalizes that one parent does everything right 
and the other parent does everything wrong. She said that's not a very that's not a natural um, response that you get from children. Um, children do not express things that they do um, wrong unless it has been talked about and manipulated and coached per se into the child's mind. Not only that, but the idea for the child is to 100% protect the parent who is doing the alienation because that child has been taught, has been brought up in a way that that parent is the only one that can provide, protect, nurture, love, um, provide those positive experiences that, that the child gravitates towards. Um, and that the other parent is the bad, is the dark side. And I, I have seen the, the scariest thing for me in regards to the parental alienation is the, the change of personalities. Um, it, I, I see it in, in the phone calls where the child um, has been coached prior to the phone call that the phone call is not necessary, that the phone call doesn't have to happen, that the phone call is, is an annoyance, is a hindrance to that child. And the child doesn't want to talk. And, and when you say, sorry to interject, when you say phone calls with the child, um, just so the listeners know, you are referring to your phone calls with your sons and what you've witnessed and experienced with them. Correct. Correct. And, and, and so you get this really negative um, response and kind of attitude about the phone call for the first couple minutes. And I'm, I'm, I'm persistent as their father that I'm not going to just give up. Um, that I'm not going to just um, be like, oh, okay, so, you know, we, we don't have to talk. Oh, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Um, because I need to, I, I feel I need to defeat this. And the way I defeat this is by showing them that I truly do have interest in what they are doing, what they are, you know, uh, what, what are, what do they do over the weekend? What was the best part of the weekend? Engage them on the, on the personal level. And it's funny because I then see the flip and I start talking to my son about his Taekwondo and he gets really excited about it. And he starts telling me all about these special kicks that he's working on and how he's working on this belt and how he needs to do this better and how he's learned how to do this differently. So that, that way he can be just a better human being and it's all great. And then it's almost like something else came in the room because or someone or, that's, I guess I'm trying to be a little vague <laughs> here um, because the attitude reverts immediately back to the negativity and it's like a switch and it's that type of thing that like well so you i think where this is coming from too is that in the past you've done facetime calls and you've actually witnessed this you've witnessed the I've, other people yeah, in the room it. coming in the room standing over the children um pointing at them mouthing at them and it changes the moods drastically mm. and and per both of your court orders, you're allowed to record the calls. Yep. Um, 
it's just, it's wild. And it's wild how big of a scope parental alienation is because you're talking a lot on the coaching right now. And that is a huge part of it. It is a huge part of it. And one of the things as, as a father that I, I preach to my two daughters who live with me full time is as their father, I feel it is my responsibility to teach them not just right from wrong. That's, that's a given. We want our children to do right, but I need them to understand that, that life comes with, with trials and tribulations and difficulties and, and, and life throws at us brick walls and it does that at a very young age and how we learn how to deal with difficult scenarios, how we deal with difficult situations um, is one of my main concerns for both of my sons who receive this manipulation because I feel that they're being taught that when dealing with these difficult situations, they're not learning how to make choices and decisions on their own. They're learning that they must adhere to somebody else's reasonings, beliefs, motivations, manipulations on how to walk through life. And they don't know any different. No, they, they don't. No, they don't. I, I, I love when my ex-wives, they tell me when, when I'm discussing things with them about some of the behaviors that I notice with my sons, the excuse I get from the mothers is I don't have any control over them. They do whatever they want to do. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and I know this, this is a specific example of you calling one of your sons and the phone calls basically like, hi, bye. And they click and hang up. And when that's brought up, mom says she can't control him. Exactly. And we know it's the opposite. We well, know it's her telling him, just hang up or you don't have to talk to him. Like, well, we know I this. mean, not only that, <laughs> but anybody who's a parent out there knows that, I mean, geez, if we gave our kids ice cream one time for <laughs> breakfast, one time for breakfast, we told them, you know, you can have ice cream for breakfast. Well, the next day they're going to probably want ice cream for breakfast. And are, are we going to just pretend like, well, that's fine. You, you know what? I, I can't say no to you. You can do whatever you want. Go ahead and have ice cream for breakfast. Or how many times we deal with our children telling us that they don't want to do their schoolwork or do something around the house to help out the family or is, and, and that's the scary part is when, and I think that's the, one of the biggest clues that I've picked up on is when the mothers or, or fathers, when the, when the parents start blaming the child for their behavior, where the, cause I'm sure that if the school was calling about how the, how the child is speaking up out of turn in class or just blatantly just got up and went to the bathroom without doing whatever process that they're supposed to have, then I don't think the answer would be, oh, well, you know what? I just don't have any control over them. They just do what they want. I think that would almost warrant a CPS call if a parent told the school that. Oh, 100%, right? But when I produce that type of information to the court system, the court kind of turns a blind eye to it. Like, 
they don't address it no big it's it's almost like in this situation when it comes to the parental alienation and the courts i think that this is such a new issue that has been brought up it's a fairly new diagnosis between um parental figures and and children and i think that it doesn't just go into parental alienation i think it's in line with how some parents are over their kids with sports i think it goes in line with how some parents are over their kids with religion um there's a multitude of of this influence that that could lead to something negative and it's new for the courts and i think that and i feel that because it's so new for the courts the courts are kind of on a hands-off approach until something major will happen but we won't see this until further down the road when we have better case studies and understandings of how children who went through court systems and custody battles how one parent alienated how that child ends up traversing into adulthood with this alienation well sure yeah i mean i i think and i've seen a lot of adults speaking out now about parental alienation that they dealt with but something that i think we'll need to get into on the on the next episode is that you have had two different therapists with both of your sons and one of them wrote a letter to the court that was written out that there was parental alienation and coaching by mother and that you should be in the child's life and you go to court the mediator reads it and takes it seriously and the mediator tells your attorney and her attorney wait hold that, on let me let me interject there okay because the mediator when reading over the file prior to my ex-wife and i going into mediation instead of calling us in actually mm. called the attorneys in. right right met because with it them was so serious because of how serious yes. the the letter was from the therapist and where her stance was that she didn't even need to have a mediation correct her decision was already made and her decision was that mom should not have custody but then we go in to court and then the attorneys are then called into the judge's chambers and the judge couldn't make up his mind and we'll get into the outcome at a later time but in short the judge didn't take the reunification therapist's letter seriously and yet the courts order reunification therapy like it it's baffling um well and and that's the the thing right is the, these courts are are ordering what are they called seven seven oh three uh seven thirty experts seven thirty experts in our local jurisdiction um they're ordering these i feel bad for these professionals that spend years yep. and years in school to become professionals at what they do no different than the judges who were once attorneys the hours required um to receive their actual license by the state that they're licensed by they then put in all of this personal work with this parent and child but by, by this court order they issue over the report on what they see and it gets tossed out of court yeah how much further do we have to go until we no longer have 730 experts and we are completely and solely relying on judges who see hundreds, 
if not thousands of cases a month, making decisions that are so impactful on families, not just the, the child or children in the court system, but what about in our case, like our two daughters who, who beg and yearn for the relationship that they've had with one of their brothers mm-hmm. and one of their brothers that they'd never even met because of this elongated process. Yeah. It's, it's concerning. Um, it's, it's very scary to, to wonder where the court systems are going. Um, and, you know, I think we are probably going to have to end things here for today and, uh, we can pick this up on our next episode. Um, unless you have anything no, more I just, to add I, for the I day. No, I appreciate your effort in um, getting me to do this and share the story. Um, There's a lot of people in the same position. There are. I, I was on the phone with, with somebody who's working with us on, on our current situation with the taxes. And you know what? He shared with me a similar story that of what I go through. And attorneys have shared with me stories of what they've gone through. Yeah. It, it, it's, I'm not the only one. Nope. There, there's a lot out there. Um, well, we appreciate everybody who is listening in and we certainly hope you will continue to, and that you'll continue to support us and even write into us with your stories. We'd love to get into being able to have, um, have others on our podcast with us. So we're, we're very appreciative. Thank you.